Welcome to a more complete clean with Abmore. These masterclass podcast series are here to train and to provide you with quick tips for the cleaning industry. We welcome your suggestions. Please send your inquiries to marketingteam at abmore.com. Enjoy our podcast with Mike Watt, our Director of Training and New Product Development. Hey, hello to all of my Jansan colleagues and welcome to Wednesday, folks. If you are tuning in on its release day, that is. Uh, this has been my third attempt to record this, so I put the lab away and hopefully uh, I can get through this. At any rate, um, so great to be able to spend some time with you. Okay, let's jump right in. How did we get here? That is actually the topic of this discussion. For those of us who've been around the industry for a long time, many aspects of our industry, and more importantly, the things we clean with, well, we've sort of grown up with it, but in a few conversations in recent times, we realized that there has been much that has gone on through the Jansen industry that newer people may know nothing about. The point here is in order to understand where we are at, we really must understand where we've been. A few podcasts ago, I spoke about safety data sheets, which um, appropriately for this podcast used to be called the Material Safety Data Sheet, MSDS. And how all of this came about, that was part of the discussion, and really what was the intent of implementing, implementing such legislation. The anecdote in that podcast was that we once gave an employee a solvent to remove glue from a ceramic floor and the solvent melted the soles of the employee's shoes. So if you're interested in that one, you need to look back probably about a year or so uh, when we did that. Needless to say, our industry has almost no solvents available for sale, at least here in Canada any longer. Volatile dry solvent is what we use to sell as a carpet spotter for solvent-based stains. So think of ink, toner, tar, things of that nature. You could get that in a metal container and that was 32 ounces to a one gallon size. Now we just call it a one liter to a four liter. Now, nowadays you have to be a licensed dry cleaner, you know, where you get your clothes dry clean to purchase this volatile dry solvent and to be trained on how to use it. Spilt solvents like this can wreak havoc on the environment if there was a spill and that was absorbed into soil. Uh, notwithstanding the impact that these solvents have on indoor air quality and the VOCs that they emit as well. So staying with carpets for a moment, dry foam carpet shampoo versus encapsulation. Another conversation that just came up probably about a month ago. Back in the day, everyone used to use dry foam for cleaning carpets. Your swing machine would have had a water tank on it or as we used to call it, a shampoo tank, because you would mix up the dry foam with water and dispense it through the shampoo tank. On the swing machine itself was a carpet brush and operators would scrub you know, carpets and foam away. And yes, the foam be quite thick on the carpet. Someone would then come behind them with a box and wand extractor and extract all of this dry foam. By the way, they used to put an additive into the box and wand extractor, so more chemistry went into the carpet. Needless to say, there was a great deal of residue left in the carpet, 
which is why after about every four shampoos, the operator would do a tannin rinse. So like a sour is to laundry, sour just another name for an acid to help soften textiles, a tannin rinse would do the same thing but for carpets. In this case, you're basically doing a chemistry experiment where you have an alkali build on the carpet and then you have a tannin or an acid rinse that's going to neutralize that out. Nowadays, encapsulation technology uses a fraction of the amount of chemicals, dries to a very fine powder, we call that a friable powder, that can easily be vacuumed up once dry and does not have any of the sticky residual properties of older dry foam, traffic lane cleaners, or, or carpet extractors, as I mentioned, is what used to be put into the uh, solution tank of a box and wand extractor. Oddly enough, the need to tannin rinse does not happen to the degree that it used to, making for a much more holistic cleaning program for carpets that, you know, helps to vacuum dry soil easier and then by extension, increase the life of the carpet. Okay, moving from carpet, here's another mouthful, 2-butoxyethanol. And that's 2-butoxyethanol. You can look it up, spell it any way you want, but it is a mouthful. This is a man-made solvent that was added to certain cleaners, mostly degreasers and floor finish strippers, and was indeed an excellent degreaser. Almost any company who had a killer, and I'm using air quotes when I say killer, degreaser, most definitely had 2-butoxyethanol in it. It would take you know, ink off of a desk without dwell time and like magic, well, it was the solvent that was doing the work. There's no magic there. Problem with solvents is that they are known carcinogens. Most anyone who worked with a degreaser, you know, which had this 2-butoxyethanol in it, would put it into a spray bottle and then we would aerosolize this chemical into a smaller particulate and the cleaner as well as those who would have happened to be in the area would easily breathe this in. Needless to say, that is why we don't see too many products available today with 2-butoxyethanol in it. And there are limitations in Canada in terms of how much you can actually add to a chemical for you know, the safety of uh, those uh, people who come in contact with it and certainly who use it. Green cleaning products, well, this used to be synonymous with Mm, crap, <laughs> there, uh, meaning they did not work well. Um, you know, they did not stand up well by way of floor finish. They were expensive compared to standard non-green products and were a waste of time, many people believed. Today, we see green products as something to revere, something that is mandated by many institutions and facilities. Indeed, some entire provinces mandate green chemicals and they actually work as well, in some instances, better than some of the predecessors with none of the health risks we used to see with older technology cleaning chemistries. NPEs or nonylphenol ethoxylates. These made up part of the cleaning magic uh, back in the day. This was a solvent, man-made to be exact and was found right across the spectrum of cleaning products. A few years ago, cities like Toronto and Kingston in Ontario 
were some of the first cities to ban NPEs because of the devastating effect on aquatic life as water was treated, say at a treatment facility, and then released back to stream. Today, NPEs are all but banned throughout Canada and uh, different surfactants had to be introduced as a replacement for these banned NPEs. This is partially where some of the challenges came from the underperforming green chemicals back in the 90s to where the scientific chemistry world finally got it right and started blending products with newer surfactants that are now you know, widely accepted by those in the cleaning industry and pretty much on par with non-green chemical offerings by way of price and performance as I mentioned earlier. Here's one, foaming hand soap. I can literally remember when Deb Swarfega, as they were called at the time, uh, introduced the foaming hand soap. The Janssen industry had the biggest belly laugh over this new invention that introduced air to the product as it was being dispensed. Remember that all we knew for hand care was liquid and gel style hand care products. So this was new and frightening to many, specifically those hand care companies who did not have foam. What if this really takes off, they thought. Funny to think today that there is likely no hand soap manufacturer who makes a hand soap that is not foam based. Did you know that floor pads, you know, these floor pads that we use today are all nylon, but just a few decades ago, they were polyester. You want to put that into context? Would you wear a polyester coat or a nylon one? You know, maybe if you were on a fishing vessel, polyester would win out, but everywhere else in the common world, nylon wins. Nylon and polyester are both synthetic fabrics, but nylon you know, tends to be significantly more durable and firmer, uh, and then by extension, stronger, more robust. Think about lippage of a stone floor or a tile floor. The more durable nylon pad would, pad rather, would win out uh, over polyester any day and all day. Most floor plaids today are made with a significant contribution from uh, post-consumer waste. So there you have it, you know, we, we were polyester, now we're nylon as far as our floor pads are concerned. I wanna to talk to you uh, just uh, about this, uh, kind of lastly as the last discussion is about quats and what's behind this first second, third, fourth, and fifth generation quats. Sounds like something off of the Waltons, and uh, if you don't get that reference, well, there's Google. <laughs> quaternary ammonium are classified as first generation of quaternary ammonium. Uh, Benzylcommonium chloride, or BZK, as we affectionately know this. You may have also heard dimethyl benzyl, and not to get too far into the weeds, but the alkyl chains of 12 and 14 carbons are those with greater antibacterial power. So you'll see those uh, chosen in that first generation. You know, it emerged, the first generation emerged over 50 years ago, uh, is one of the lowest, um, uh, or is, is um, lowest since biocidal bias activity and has uh, many years in the market for disinfection, disinfection applications. Um, there may be bacterial resistance to the product, however, you know, this molecule is widely used in hospital and veterinarian disinfection, 
bactericidal and deodorant use. They actually use it in foot powders and topical disinfectants, things of that nature. Second generation of quaternary ammonites, uh, ammonium rather, is, you know, this is no longer commercially available on its own. You may have heard or known about it as ethyl benzyl, uh, dimethyl ammonium chloride, or alkyl dimethyl benzyl ammonium chloride. So we don't see that as a standalone uh, product. The third generation, however, kind of brings the second and the first into play. And it really is the mixture of the first two generations of uh, these uh, two different, of the first and the second generation quats. Uh, these mixtures of the two quaternary allow for an increased biocidal activity, uh, increased detergency and increased um, user safety by relatively low toxicity. And you know, the, the use of the mixture helps to prevent bacterial resistance uh, to continued uh, use of a single molecule. So that's the third generation, right? It's kind of blending first and second one together. The fourth generation uh, is what are called twin or dual chain quats. And they're quaternary uh, products with linear dialkyl chains with benzene rings such as uh, uh, didazole uh, dimethyl ammonium chloride, uh, dioctyl dimethyl ammonium chloride, or octyl uh, uh, desol ammonium. These uh, quaternaries are superior in germicidal activity, are low foaming, and have a high tolerance to protein loads and hard water. Uh, recommended for disinfection in uh, food and beverage industry because it can be applied at low toxicity. So that's fourth. And then the fifth and the final one that we uh, know about, the fifth generation quats, is really a mixture of the fourth generation with that second generation that we talked to, that is uh, didesyl dimethyl ammonium chloride plus alkyl dimethyl uh, alkyl benzyl um, of uh, other varieties according to the formulation. The fifth generation has a greater germicidal performance in harsh conditions and is safe to use. All right, lots going on there. And if you want to you know, know more about quats, seek out a chemist in the Janssen industry, of which I am not, and I'm sure they'll be happy to tell you all about it in greater detail. So as you can see, folks, it is beneficial to see where we have been to glean some deeper insight into where we are today. But more importantly, this espouses the essential failure uh, avoidance and like all things we improve over time. Even, you know, the uh, reproduction of muscle cars of the past are being replicated, but embrace all of the modern day advancements that won't warp your rotors when trying to brake from high rates of speed or someone once told me. On behalf of all of the leadership team and my great colleagues and the great team at Admore, we want to thank you for the time that you spent with us here today. Thanks for listening in on this podcast and kudos to you for doing your part in all of this. I am proud to know you. Please be safe out there. Let me wish you a great day. And hey, we will talk with you again real soon. All the best. Stay tuned for our next Masterclass podcast series for a more complete clean with Abmore. Be sure to subscribe to our social media channels for the latest updates and training videos on YouTube.